welcome back to another episode of the Pothole Pastor Podcast. This is Joey. And I'm Adam. And we're joined with a special guest all the way from Texas, Christopher Scroggins, or you could just call him Scroggins, or is there anything else they can call you, Chris? Um, they can call me anything they want. I really don't care. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm really, hey, really glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. thanks for coming. We've been a long, well, at least I can say I've been a longtime fan of the Campus Leadership Podcast that you host, so... Uh, shameless plug if anybody else is looking for a good <laughs> podcast to listen to, especially if you're in campus ministry, and maybe particularly if you're in campus ministry, that would be a good one to check out. Yeah, I I, uh, I just ride the coattails of Andrew. Uh, Andrew Youngblood is my co-host, and uh podcast was actually started by uh, Lennon Nolan, and yeah. uh, I, I just filled in when Lennon stepped out, so I, I'm I'm really just a lackey, you know? Sure, yeah. Um, I'm like the guy that hangs out with the cool kids. That's that's basically <laughs> what happens with that. So do you do you guys are you like living close enough to do in studio together or do you have to like phone in and stuff nowadays or Oh, we totally do phone in. Like okay. yeah, cuz um I'm in San Angelo, Texas, and if you don't know where San Angelo is, that's totally normal. Most people in in Texas don't even know where San Angelo is. Uh, but basically, you drive west until you think that you're going to die, and then you drive two more hours, and then you get to San Angelo. <laughs> and uh, Andrew's in Fort Worth, which is, uh, it's about, it's not too far in West Texas terms. It's three and a half hours. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. So, like, put it in perspective, right? For our, um, our, you know, for any non-Assemblies of God listeners, uh, you know, we're, we're divided up into sections, you know, and you have, like, your section... Like which will be cities or, or suburbs or whatever, depending on population density, um, where all the pastors get together and meet and pray, just kind of fellowship and get to hang out. Um, it's not uncommon for us to drive two hours for our section meetings. Wow, wow. I mean that it's just West Texas, man. Like there's just nothing out here, and, yeah. except for angry grass and goats. And <laughs> I remember dirt. driving out there. We went during CMC a couple years ago which for all you Chi Alpha or non-Chi Alpha listeners, it's a national conference that Chi Alpha does every four years. We decided to drive out west because we had never been out there. And I remember we went through, we only went through the panhandle of Texas. And I'm like, this goes forever. <laughs> and then That's I looked the at the worst part. Yeah. And then I, I looked at the map and I just saw how much more west Texas actually goes, but that we weren't ever going to go through it. And I'm like, I don't ever want to live in Texas because I don't like driving. So it's just like, I would hate this, you know, to go anywhere is just forever. It it really is, man. Like I think El Paso is closer to the Pacific ocean than it is to Austin. Like oh. it's something ridiculous like that. And, um, yeah, we went and visited some of our friends that are doing campus ministry in, uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico. And, um, man, drive that drive. Like, uh, especially when we hit, like, it's called the Llano Estacado, right? So it's like the, the edge of West Texas and then Eastern New Mexico. It is like we, we were driving and it was some kind of like time warp where you felt like you weren't moving. Oh like God. I'm literally doing 90 miles per hour and it doesn't feel like you're moving because everything is so flat and like, it's just featureless straight to the horizon. Yeah. It, it was bananas. Like you do that for like four hours and <laughs> you just terrible. like lose your mind, you know? <laughs> it's got to be one of the worst things when you turn onto an interstate or you, you get off on an exit or whatever 
And I, I experienced this going out west, and it was like for 490 miles. Please continue. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> you know, yeah. just 490 miles of just straight, you know, and uh, yeah. Uh, we'll never do yeah. that again. It's it was. I, I describe this part of the world as uh, the land where the earth gives up, like <laughs> like it just quits. Like nothing really grows. There's no greenery. Um, there's no like features. It's it's really flat. It's like the earth is just like I'm gonna try again when we hit the Rockies, you know. But <laughs> but from now on, the, it'll just be nothing. I'm taking yeah. a break. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Adam, you're going <laughs> south here in a couple, I am. couple weeks, right? Yeah, Sunday I leave for Arkansas. So, I'm oh gonna... god! All right, I'll pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, well, I've been in Arkansas a little bit, but I've never actually like gone there as a destination. So it'll be something new. Well, you went to the World Mission Summit, right? I did. So oh, we went yeah. to Houston. So like we drove through Arkansas, but that I'm, was terrible too. Yeah, I'm going to Little Rock. So at least it's a city, but isn't that like where the hot spring of like Pentecostal charismatic stuff is? Is Little Rock? Oh, Hot it? Springs, Arkansas. or Hot Springs? Yeah, Hot Springs. Right. Was the first general council in like 1916, right? Yeah, yeah. Huh. The uh, yeah, Arkansas is a beautiful landscape, but the people are terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so much love to all the Arkansas folks. Well, do you remember? I'm pretty sure we drove like completely from the right top corner to the to the bottom left corner of Arkansas going to Houston Something and it was like just that. like we like literally went all the way diagonally yeah. across the state and it just took forever it like did. it was just, I'm like oh my gosh and of course when you're going across any state it's just okay we got to get we got to get moving on cuz we've talked 5 <laughs> minutes about like landscapes of like <laughs> bike driving and stuff well, but Arkansas is terrible cuz the the roads are always under construction and the highways are terrible and the speed limit's low, but um, yeah. And I apologize for Houston. Like, I th- if I remember correctly, I was in the Czech Republic at the time, but but I think that was like the one time that it ever got cold in Houston. It was. It was, it was terrible. Yeah. I yeah. we expected like, hey, we're going to Houston. At least we'll get some nice weather because it was January, so it was freezing in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like Houston was not very nice to us, <laughs> dude. We uh, yeah. So like. Uh, you know, I spent 15 years in, you know, you know, in college and working with Chi Alpha in Huntsville, which is just north of Houston. You drove through it on the way there. Oh yeah, and and um, my wife and I describe it as like living inside of someone's mouth because it's hot <laughs> and wet. It's just gross. You walk to the mailbox, and you're like, I need a shower, and uh. Yeah, it's it's living in some inside of someone's mouth. So yeah, there you go. That's I want that lovely. image to be ingrained, just burned into people's minds now. <laughs> well, I guess that's probably as good of a segue as ever to Midwest <laughs> moments. <laughs> so that's our oak trigger <laughs> that we're gonna move into mid. I want to hear yours. Oh. Yours is fantastic. <laughs> Mine is definitely interesting. So my article reads, and this is starting in quotes. Serial stowaway arrested after attempting to bypass TSA at O'Hare Airport. <laughs> the article goes, a woman dubbed as, in quotes, the serial stowaway, in quote, for her history of sneaking onto flights without having tickets was caught again last Friday and was arrested by Chicago O'Hare International Airport. This lady, her name is Marilyn Hartman. And she's 67, and she was charged with one felony count of criminal trespass after trying to abort a flight without any boarding pass 
or ID. And it says this isn't the first time that she's done this. About 18 or a year ago or so, she tried to board a flight from O'Hare to London without a ticket, actually got on the flight and was arrested when the plane landed in London. Yeah, this woman's legendary. <laughs> like she's, she has a reputation of just sneaking onto these airports. Like, why? It says, um, why she, not? <laughs> she was arrested two times in 2015 within two months, and it says after, like, she got arrested, like days after, she tried to do it again. So, <laughs> she just has no chill. <laughs> this is just incredible. I just. Why don't more people try to do that? Like, you never hear about this, but it seems like, you know, people, you got hitchhikers, you got people stealing cars. I mean, you would think, and I mean, I guess maybe the TSA is actually doing their job. So this is why we don't get these stories that often, but it just seems like that's something. I wonder if this is going to be like one of those copycat things. Like, it, well, maybe mm. not because she's been doing this for years. So I guess if it hasn't caught on now, maybe it's not going to, <laughs> but... Uh, she said, well, the article says that she's done it at least eight times. Wow. So that's, she's relentless. <laughs> and did it say she's actually been to jail for it or they just warned her? Uh, I feel like after eight times, it's like, listen, we're done. Like we're not, we're not doing this. It says she was arrested, but it doesn't say if she actually like was in jail for like a long amount of time. So who knows? I, I don't know. I'm kind of impressed. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> she got all the way to London. Is that right? That's right. She did. Said, yeah, right? she. Yeah, she got to London. But where'd she stow away at? Like in the cargo space? Uh, surely not. It doesn't. That'd be freezing. Like she'd die, right? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't say. Yeah. I guess. She I just, mean, did she watch Catch Me If You Can and just went? <laughs> I could do that. Like yeah. <laughs> she must have. <laughs> Like, I just want to know where she stowed away at. Like, was there just extra seats or she convinced somebody that they had the wrong ticket or I just, I really want to know where, did she hide in the bathroom the whole time? Like, oh, man. like the occupancy was just always, <laughs> was like that? nobody could go to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> maybe she convinced the pilots that she was like one of the like attendants and she was just like walking up and down. And my thing, like she's 67, so she's no spring chicken and yeah, wow. doing this. So yeah. Wow. Well, wait, I missed that part at the beginning. So she started this when she was like in her late 50s. Yeah. At least. At I mean, least. if you assume she did it once a year, she did. She's yeah. got in trouble eight yeah. times. So, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Like, yeah. is that her retirement plan? <laughs> <laughs> it must be. <laughs> she's like, ah, oh, man, social security's not enough. I know. I'll just keep hopping on flights till they put me in jail and at least i'll have food like i don't know like <laughs> well maybe she didn't like have any good stories for her grandkids or anything you know so she's like when my grandkids come over i need to tell them stuff <laughs> grandma will you tell me again when you stowed into canada you know like <laughs> <laughs> so i almost don't even want to read mine because i mean it's still it's a cool story it's not funny or silly but it just caught our eye but so it's uh Oh, homeless man baptized in the church. He vandalized six months earlier that caused a hundred thousand dollars in damages. Wow. So it says a homeless man who was high on drugs, just didn't hear good news. He lived it out recalling after his dramatic transformation in an Arkansas. Wow. It's Arkansas again. Um, the church, God is real. In February, the Conway police department was searching for Brenton Wynn, who is 23 and he broke into the Central Baptist Church, angry at God, high on meth, and unsure 
of what happened in the dead of night when he destroyed $100,000 worth of church property, including laptops, cameras, and other electronics. Months later, however, he walked into the light of day, standing in the church's baptismal pool, publicly declaring his allegiance to Christ in the same church, given a second chance at life. And then it just goes on to talk about, he was talking about God's changed his life, and the pastor was even, the pastor said, you know, you can't preach something for 50 years without practicing it, especially in front of your whole congregation. Had he not shown some grace to him, or had we not shown grace to him, everything we talked about and encouraged over the years would have went by the wayside, and it was simply the right thing to do. Hmm. So I think that's just like super cool. Like it's obviously like normally we do silly stories that are funny, but I think that's really cool because a lot of times all you hear about in the church on the news is how everybody's terrible or there's a sex scandal or there's hypocritical things or whatever. But I think that was really cool. That was like, I mean, they had every right not to let that man come back into (laughs) into that church, you know, but they chose grace and mercy over like vengeance and, um, justification for their actions or whatever. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, man, props to the church people for yeah. welcoming them in. That's really awesome. I wonder what yeah, kind of board Conway, meeting. Arkansas. Right? Yeah. Conway, Arkansas. Well, That's it, where uh, yeah, yeah. Central Arkansas is. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Matt Chandler's Chi Alpha. Okay. Oh, I wonder yeah. if they know about this or if they're connected. He's 23, so it's not crazy to think he could be in that sphere of influence or anything. I mean, yeah, it'd be cool if he got plugged in somehow. Yeah, that's awesome. That is cool. Well, that's Midwest Moments. Oh. So, Chris, we're going to we brought you on here cuz you spoke at our like district Kayafa thing or I guess our regional Kayafa thing a few months ago and mm-hmm. it was really intriguing hearing you talk about God having a claim on our lives. And I think that was like I don't think I've ever heard, I knew what you meant by it, but I don't think I've ever heard anybody say it quite like that. And Mm -hmm. I wondered, like, I thought that'd be a great thing to talk about on the podcast because we have listeners, not just in college ministry, but, uh, well, apparently we have people all over uh, the United States that we have no idea who's listening to our podcast. So that's pretty cool. But um, when you say God has a claim on our life, actually, Hold on, before we go there, why don't you introduce who you are, what you're doing, everything like that. That, that might be kind of nice. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I'm a Chi Alpha campus director for Angelo State University uh, in San Angelo, Texas, and we've been here for all of four months now. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, four months and, and two days. <laughs> um, and yeah, before that, my wife and I uh, spent two years um, doing campus ministry in the Czech Republic. And, um, and then before that we were on staff with Sam Houston state Chi Alpha in Huntsville, Texas. And yeah, that's where we both graduated from, got our degrees. Uh, I got, uh, a bachelor of arts in history and with a minor in German. So I'm like completely unemployable. Uh, (laughs) and that's why, that's why I'm in ministry, I guess. Um, no, that's terrible. I'm I'm in ministry because God called me to it. Uh, I shouldn't make light of that. But um, but yeah, that's uh, I mean that that's about it in a nutshell. We have I I guess I should mention my my children. We got five kids, um, so one daughter and four boys. And um, yeah, I can't think about anything else because uh, my children exhaust me. Yeah, <laughs> we need. Did you ever meet our friend Kevin? That's on staff here at Ball State. Because Dude, he, when, when I was up there, I met so many I'm, people. Oh, that's I, fa- that's fair. 
uh, he is like a huge history guy and he's also half German. So he speaks fluent German. And so I think when you were talking about all this, he was so jazzed and just wanted to like be your best friend. I think I did. Cause I remember speaking German with somebody. I just can't remember. who. I'm sure that, that was Kevin. Kevin. I guarantee <laughs> it was Kevin. But yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Well, Hey, so we were talking a little bit before that of God having a claim on our life. And could you kind of like unpack that a little bit of like, what do you mean by that when you say God has a claim on our life? Well, um, the, I, I hate to be pedantic, but you know, history major, what can I do? Um, it's, uh, God has a right on your life, which is, is similar. Um, but, uh, it, it's more than just a claim. It's a right. Um, okay. because you, you are his, mm-hmm. right. And, um, and so the the reason why that's such an emphasis point, well, the reason why that's such an emphasis point for me, is that otherwise we tend to approach ministry from an angle of humanism, uh, which is kind of a uh, you know philosophy that you can trace back to ancient Greece, but really took off during the Renaissance and has really informed the modern age um, is this, this idea of humanism and in using the, like my, my working kind of definition of that meaning that, that man is the center, right? Man is kind of the measure of all things to steal a phrase from Francis Schaeffer. Um, and so what, what tends to happen if, if you kind of get these things switched, if, if you kind of forget that God has a right on your life and that God is the center of the gospel and God is the center of existence and creation in the universe, right? And, and you start to kind of view things from a man perspective, a man-centric, humanistic perspective. Uh, either you, you kind of go the way that we see um, kind of more secular culture goes, where it's like we need to make man happy now. So let's, you know, do the social programs and let's do all these things, which are all great and amazing and actually are functions that the church should be serving. But the reason behind it is man needs to be happy. And then what, what happens within the church sometimes is that um, the, the way that we approach ministry um, is, is we basically say like, hey, um, we're not like the secular world, Right. Um, the sake of the world, they want to make man happy while he's alive. But us and the church, look, there's a dirty, nasty, stinky old hell out there. And, and uh, you don't want to go to that place after you die. You want to be happy after you die, right? But the whole system is still about making man happy. It just We just differ right. on where, right, where and when. And, and so when you get to the place where you can see that it's not about man, it's about God right? Then that changes a lot of things for you. And it changes the attitude that you minister with. And, and frankly, for me, it took a lot of pressure off of me, mm-hmm. right? Because I felt like I had to make the right argument to convince this person, you know, when really it's about God, right? And Jesus, you, you don't need Jesus, right? So much as Jesus deserves you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So yeah. God is so awesome and so good, and he's the rightful king, right? He's, he's the rightful king, but he's also worthy of being the king. He's the only one really qualified for being the king. Right. Um, and if, if, you, if you don't give him the love and affection and honor and praise that he deserves, then you're robbing him, and that's, that's the tragedy. Does that make sense? Yeah. And in, in anything else you put in that place of authority in your life, that 
you know, God position in your life, it's not worthy of it and, and can't sustain your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. So how do you see this playing out? Um, maybe both, maybe give some examples of ways you've seen the church get it right. You know, like things that maybe we do that do show that God has a right on our life and maybe some things that we see, or maybe even symptoms we see. And I know you touched on it a little bit, but of like when we don't have God, at the center, like especially in our church culture, because a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, are the Christian, even minister, pastors. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe some way, some of those ways that you've seen that. Well, um, I think the one of the high points in the church, um, I I can remember uh, when I was working on my degree, uh, I made a promise to God that I wasn't I wasn't going to be one of those Christians that talked about when the church got it wrong, right? There, there mm-hmm. was plenty of people that could do that. Sure. Uh, I wanted to talk about times when the church got it right. And, you know, depending on what time period I was studying, it could be more difficult. Right. Um, yeah. But one of the greatest examples I found was actually uh, a people group from the Czech Republic called the Moravians. And okay, uh, the yeah. Moravian Revival. I don't know if you've heard of this. I have heard of that, yeah. It's a huge deal, um, and you can actually get on Google Books, you know, and and look up J. E. Hutton, History of the Moravian Church. And it's free. It's a free PDF. It's you oh, know wow. out of copyright. It's and it, it's an incredible history, um, and I I think they got it right. Um, their their missions movement. You know, they had a hundred year prayer meeting. Um, you know, uh, the director, the kind of leader of that revival, his name was Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf, and he. Um, he preached a sermon for three hours in 1721 wow. uh, about a three-hour sermon about how they were going to love each other and treat each other better and therefore love God. And and then uh, the next day they started prayer meetings in their church, and that lasted 24 hours a day um, for 100 years. And then during that time, same time span, they sent out... Um, 30 missionaries a year. So it was something like three to 4,000 missionaries sent out in total over a hundred years from this one community in Saxony, Germany. And, uh, and the, the thing that they would say when the missionaries were leaving, the missionaries would say, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Mm -hmm. And that started when these two guys, um, I want to get the names right. I want to say it was John Leonard Dauber and David Nietzsche um, sold themselves to a plantation owner in the Caribbean who would not allow any preacher to, to live on his island that he owned. He was an atheist plantation owner. And so they wanted to go and minister to the slaves, but they couldn't get on this island. So they sold themselves and became literal slaves, wow. right? And within yeah. six months, David Nietzscheman died. Wow. And then, you know... John Dauber wrote a letter back to the community in Germany and was like, Hey, David's gone. Can you send anybody else? And two more people went and then two more go. And, and they're just like going to their death. This, this was the 1700s, right? This isn't like, they don't have FaceTime, right? This is, I'm going to write a letter and hopefully the ship won't sink and it'll get back to the people I want it to get to. And maybe I'll hear back in two years. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so they, uh, anyway, that that was their thing is like as David Nietzsche and John Leonard Dauber are leaving, you know they're they're casting off in um, in Hamburg is the port that they left, right. and he's like, you know, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. So, yeah. 
the the mindset that they had is that it didn't necessarily matter if people were converted. That's not where their validation was from. Mm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. It was obedience to Jesus. It was giving Jesus what he was worthy of, and that's their life. Yeah. Right? Wow. That's the reward of God's suffering is, is themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, and incredible. so when you start with that perspective— no longer do you have a straining, striving, fighting, um, exhausting kind of um, take on ministry. It's no longer performance-based. It's yeah. obedience-based. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I think, too, a lot of times, because um, I know I've thought like that before, where like we got to make disciples, we got to minister to people, and sometimes I forget, well, the most important thing in my life should be my relationship with God, you know, and my all of him and living for him each and every day. Um, but I know sometimes, especially in America, um, it's easy to let comfort kind of slip in and the normalcy of that comfort and kind of forgetting about God and your everyday life because everything, at least in America, is so easy, easily attained. Um, so, Chris, how, how would you say to people who... Because I think we all can get caught in that trap. I knew, I know I do sometimes of you're so comfortable where you are that you kind of forget your need for God. You know what I'm saying? Just because everything is right there for the taking. Yeah. Um, well, first off, you it's not about your need for God. It's about giving God what he deserves. Mm. Right? Mm. So like bringing justice into the universe is you being obedient and you giving God your life because that's what he deserves right? He's worthy yeah. of it. Like there's nothing more intelligent to do with your life than to give it to Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, because like you want to build your life around the thing that, which is most valuable, right? That's what a wise life is. Like a wise way to live your life is to give your life to causes that are worthy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so, so the guy that hits like 65 and all he's done is work in finance and sat in a cubicle and he has a sweet boat and you know, that, that lake house that he has a timeshare with his buddy that he drinks at the bar with. Right. But he hits like 65 and has a crisis, you know, and he's on the golf course one day just thinking, what did I do with my life? Mm-hmm. Right. He gave his yeah. life to a cause that wasn't worthy of it. Yeah. And now he's at a crisis point. Does that make sense? Yeah, and awesome. and so like that, we all give our lives to things, all of us, mm-hmm. like whether you're atheist or whether you believe in a God or not, whatever, you, you give yourself to something. So the question is, is that something worthy? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I want to, I, I want to correct that thought. It's not about you having a need for God, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not about that. Every, yes, everyone does need God, but that's not, that's a byproduct, does that make sense? Yeah. You you need God only in the sense that he is the most worthy thing to give yourself to. And when you frame things like that, then that that mindset of oh I'm comfortable or I've forgotten that I really need God, that mindset goes away because you're thinking about things properly. Mm-hmm. Right? You have ordered yeah. the universe correctly in your mind and your thinking and your heart because you no longer think in terms of, oh, I got to read my Bible so that I can have positive feelings. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Or I'm going to read my Bible because I know that's what I should do. It becomes, I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going to spend time with Jesus because he's worth it. 
Does that make sense? And yeah. and then it becomes really hard to bump something. Like, are you telling me that watching Netflix for another hour is more important than Jesus? Is more worthy than Jesus? Do you right. see that? See how that just corrects everything mm-hmm. when you when you start placing it in a, in the right place in your life. Yeah, and that that's that's like what wisdom is. That's what right. wi- you know is making choices that are in, in keeping with the value of things. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. so that's that's so good because it's like, I mean, I just know growing up, and I'm sure everybody growing up in church, even if you didn't grow in church, like I think there's there's just like this. I don't even know what to. I don't want to say it's an illness, but just like this. I don't know. You know, you grow up hearing like our need for God, you know, and I, how many yeah. how many sermons have I heard in my life about that? And I and I think in one sense it's very true. Like you said, like we do need God. It's like we're sunk without Him, but even just as I'm thinking back through the scriptures, it talks so much about the worthiness of. Je- I mean, that's all what Revelation's about is like yeah. the worthiness of the Lamb. And I, I remember I, I was listening to a preacher a few weeks ago, and he talked about Jesus's worthiness, and he gave the he gave the example of it's not people don't so much have the problem of the exclusivity of Jesus as much as they do with attributing the worthiness to him. And he t- he gave the example of when you go on to Amazon, you don't give every product on there an equal chance. You look at the reviews, what's being highly rated. You know, when you yeah. go looking for a restaurant, you don't give them all an equal shot. You look at Yelp and you say, what is the ones getting all of the credit, all of the glory, you know, all these things. And it's like, you choose your worthiness, you know, what's worthy of my yeah. time and my money. And that's just such a good thought because it's just, yeah, like what you said, like when you think of it as, I'm not going to spend time with God to get anything out of it. I'm just spending time with God because there's literally nothing better that I could do with my time, no matter yeah. what deadlines I have, no matter what decisions I have, or even any crisis that I have, God is still worthy of that. So that's, that's such an incredible thought, Chris. And also, it, like, it kind of redeems all of life, um, because if you're thinking in terms of humanistic need, then what you end up doing with your life is viewing it like a big pie, and you're like, oh, God mm-hmm. needs to have the biggest slice, but I got work and kids and, right. and life. And, you know, I, when am I going to clean my house? You know, I can't pray more than five minutes a day, right? And so so you, you just kind of slice up your life and know that God should get a bigger slice and you feel guilty, but, but this is the best you can do. When really, like, God wants the whole pie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so when it's worthy, when, when, when you have God has a right on my life, then I'm not cleaning my house for my own sake. I'm cleaning my house because God deserves me to have a clean house. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I'm I'm spending time with my kids because God's worth it. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Or, yeah. or is that a little too esoteric? Like, he, um, <laughs> like you know, yeah, I, I you. love my kids because God deserves to have fathers that love children, that love their children. Right. Yeah. I, does that make sense? And and like. This house that that I'm living in is a gift from God, and mm-hmm. and he he's worthy of it, right? And so I need yeah. to honor him with my house because he's worthy, right? And yeah. and so all of a sudden, I'm not just doing housework; I'm I'm worshiping. Yeah, you know, I'm not just spending time with my kids. I'm I'm worshiping. I'm because mm-hmm. my my mindset, my disposition, is God is worth it. Yeah. So that that's why Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. Do it all for the glory of God. It's it's that thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're doing it with him in mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I've really had to learn in the past couple of years because growing up, I always thought like, oh, pastors have this job that are way above, like their job is much more important than like someone who's like a banker or something like that just yeah. because they're doing ministry. And I've had people in my life who said that all the time, but it wasn't until well, I'm reading right now Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor, mm-hmm. and he's talking about like whether you're a banker or you work at a flower shop or whatever you do, like your work can be like for the glory of God, like whatever you do. And I like, I love how you explain it. Like cleaning your house can be for the glory of God. Like God wants us to have a clean house and, and we need different occupations. Like we need people who are surgeons who are bankers because we need those things in our life, you know, and it's not just ministry. Isn't the only important, you know, or sacred um, work. And that's something I really had to learn growing up. Yeah. And I love that, like that way you're just describing that because it really removes the sacred secular divide that we often mm, yeah. put on things. Like, cause yeah. we often think, okay, th- I'm going to spend time with God with this part of my day. And then I'm going to go do what I want to do the rest of the day. Or I'm going to give God, you know, like you said, like 99% of my life or whatever, but I'm going to hold on to that 1%. But it's like, no, God has a right to our lives and he's mm-hmm. the king. And, but I think what's cool is like that's not a burden and that's not that's actually true freedom because then we're yeah. operating how we're actually designed by God to be we're made to be ruled by God. We weren't made to rule ourselves. Right. We make really bad kings. Yeah. Totally. You know? And yeah. I I love um I don't know if you listen to the Bible Project much or watch their videos. Oh yeah, they're great. They're oh, great. they're incredible. I love and they just had a podcast. Well, not just I just listened to it. It's been probably years ago. They put it up now, but their podcast is incredible. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast. Oh yes. Oh, yeah, man, I've been listening to them for like a year and a half now. Yeah. Oh, it's so. Fantastic. But ha- have you listened to the one about um, glory? Mm-hmm. Oh man, that one just blew my mind. Kavod. We talked about yeah, Kavod, and just talking about like when we build God's glory, it's like building his gravitas or his, his influence, his reputation. And so yeah. I, I never really thought much cause I knew, you know, I, my pastor, he is like fluent in Hebrew and Greek and stuff growing up. And so like, I always heard these things like, you know, glory means weighty or, or heavy, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, but I never thought about like, what does that mean? I just thought like, well, that's kind of strange. Like, so I, I would just, I would always hear people and you know, I've, I've growing up in the uh, charismatic church, you know, you'd hear people just yell glory you know, and I'm like, well, what is that? What? Like, that's weird. That's kind of like, what? Yeah. But when you start looking at it more of like, no, it's like for the glory of God, for like the reputation of God, the gravitas of God, the the influence or what people think of God, that just, that does remove that divide. Because then you're just like, well, what does God, what do people think? Like, because like now we, we're Christ ambassadors, right? So yeah. we're representing God. So what does my house say about God? You know, yeah. What does my family say about God? What is my job? What does you know, the way I interact with my neighbor and it just, it just changes everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. You're right on, dude. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm, I, I don't want to just reteach the entire Bible project, <laughs> you know, episode, <laughs> but it's just, we probably could do worse things. It's just, it's so great. Yeah. But yeah, I love that thought. And um, what are some ways that you feel like you've personally, even maybe even recently, or just maybe most influentially, like has challenged you in this area of God having a right on your life? Oh, it's absolutely been in the field of ministry. Like, um, so I think I kind of started down this road, like really having revelations about this. And this is like, 
this is like one of my go-to, like, you know, you know, there's like a handful of things where every sermon you preach, it just always comes up. This is one of them for me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I listened to this sermon called 10 shekels in a shirt by Paris Reedhead. And, uh, he preached it back in the sixties. He, um, he was a AG missionary to Africa, but if you go to sermonindex.net, and, and look, or just Google 10 shekels in a shirt, this sermon will come up and it'll change your life. Um, I listened to it once. And then this was way back in the day, um, when we had CD players, you know, and you had like, Mm -hmm. like some kind of Neanderthal, you had to physically insert something into your car to make it play music. (laughs) What was your first CD you ever bought? First CD I ever bought was super unknown by Soundgarden. Wow. Yeah. I don't even know who they are. No. And... (laughs) I mine was Britney Spears. <laughs> I can't believe you said one. that in public. That's, that's <laughs> well, you know, all for God's glory, right? <laughs> no. He redeems all man. Hey, maybe he could redeem that. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I listened to that sermon and then I burned it onto a disc and put it in my car. And for the next year, that was the only thing that came out of my car speakers. Wow, um, it was life changing. And then um, and then we had the honor in Huntsville of having Winky Prattney come like once a year. Mm. And, um, I got a hold of 21 CR, which is his sermon series, uh, that he did back in 2006 or something. That's uh 21st century reformation. Mm. And, uh, and then started reading youth of flame and, and then just hearing him preach. And, you know, when I could, I'd weasel my way into like, Oh, Winky's having lunch over here. Huntsville's a small town. So, you know, I'll go there and, and just yeah. like sit awkwardly at the edge of the table and, and listen. And, and, uh, it was kind of through that process that I started realizing that the way I approached people and tried to teach them and, and tried to, you know, evangelize or spread the gospel, um, was was primarily through human need, you know? Mm. And I would approach people like, hey, your life's messed up, man. And aren't you tired of having hurt? You need Jesus. Right. And he'll make everything better, which is true, but also kind of not true because Jesus was crucified and Jeremiah didn't do a great, you know, he didn't yeah. exactly have a great time. And, you know, uh, Isaiah got sawn in half, you know, like right. that. That's not necessarily what it's about. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and essentially, what I did is uh, the analogy I use is uh, is I approach people with you know you have a need for God. Analogy I like to use. I think I I did it when I was um, up with you guys. Uh, yes, I was going to ask I, you to do it. The the boyfriend analogy. Is that what you're thinking? Oh no, that's not what I was thinking. But go ahead and go with it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so like, um, I always ask people like. Well, when I'm talking about this, you know, like what, what gives somebody to be your boyfriend or girlfriend, right? What gives somebody the right to, to be that person? Um, so like, like, let's say, um, there's a girl and her boyfriend's like super strong, right? His arms are like an elephant's rear end. They're giant. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have a neck, right? His, his head's just right on his shoulders, you know? And he makes the power team look like a junior high weightlifting group, you know, and, and, uh, you know, if a car like runs a red light and almost hits her, he picks it up and throws it into the sun, you know, like he can protect her from anything because he's so powerful. Would that give him a right to tell her how to cut her hair? Mm. Absolutely not. Right. Right. Or, or let's say somebody loves 
someone so much like they're like writing love letters all day long and every morning there's this like Shakespearean sonnet about the beauty in their eyes and and like they're stacking gifts up outside their door and you know they're like John Cusack and playing you know in your eyes on the radio <laughs> outside their window all night long you know um like they, they they're just so loving like does does that give them a right to tell them what they can and can't wear Absolutely not. Right. Or, you know, um, or like when I was 10, I had an autoimmune disease that almost killed me. Like my, 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 uh, immune system was attacking my heart. And, and there were points where doctors sat down with my family and, and were like, you've got maybe 72 hours left with your son. I was like that level gone. And, uh, and this one doctor, her name's Rebecca Walker. She, um, she figured out what I had and, mm. and I'm alive today literally because Rebecca Walker, she's it. Wow. Right. I, I'm right. here because of her. She saved me. She saved my life. Does that give her a right to tell me to change my career? Right. No. no, no, not at all. So like we, we tell people like, uh, you know, love God or I love God or you need to love God because he's powerful. He'll protect you from bad things or, or because he loves you so much. That's the one that's really popular right now. Or, or follow God because he saved you. But then when bad things happen, right? When, when things inevitably go wrong in your life, and it may not be your fault at all, and you're the victim of circumstance or, or maybe selfishness, you're like, why didn't God use his power to protect me? Why didn't God l- love me enough to stop this from happening? Why didn't God uh, save me like he did last time? Right. And then all of a sudden, God, the reason for God being your God, the reason for God, like you following him is gone because you're basing it on an action and not on who he is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's like that. That's what I'm talking about. And if, you know, like in in the in the news the last couple months, you know, there's been a lot of big name Christian celebrities that have walked away from Jesus, right. you know, and it's always because of this. If you, if you look at the way they talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, if God is yeah. so loving, why didn't he do this? Right. Well, I mean, he is loving, but the reason you follow God isn't because he's loving. That doesn't give him a right to tell you what to do with your life. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not his actions. It's not his attributes. It's because he's worthy. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because his, his character is the reason you follow him. Because yeah, his character yeah. doesn't change, right? right? So I could be going through the worst moments in my life and I can still love Jesus because he's still the same Jesus. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's incredible. And and so that that's that's the thing that changed the most is that when, when I'm reaching out to people and I'm sharing the gospel with them, I don't talk about need. I talk about Jesus is the most worthy thing. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and when you do that, you kind of get, you're cutting through a lot of emotional and, and logical arguments and you're going straight to like the conscience, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you sit across the table from somebody that knows you and you have a relationship with, and you're just like, you know, what you're living for is not worth it. Right. You know, what you've given your life to isn't worthy. Mm-hmm. That breaks, like, what do you say to that? They can't say anything because they know it too. You know, yeah. like. Yeah. You need to walk with God because he's worth it Yeah, because he deserves your love. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. And that's so uh, good. Cause it's like, you just think of that, like, man, I'm just having like, I'm having like relevatory thoughts in my, in my head right now, but just thinking of like, you know, 
that makes the fact that God does love us so much more incredible because it's like, who am I? You know, it's like, I'm not worthy at all. You know, and you can almost hear the New Testament writers now like exclaiming and screaming of like what love the Father has lavished on us that we would be yeah. called sons of God, you know, and and just Paul saying like I was the chief of all sinners yet he loved me, you know, and when we were still enemies, God, lo- you know, and it's just like that's incredible because when we like you said when you're starting there of God is just worthy no matter what. And then it and then it even makes it to where our suffering, he's worthy of our suffering and of our discomfort and pain and our being disappointed with our life because he's still more worthy than anything we could anything that could have went right or not have gone wrong, he's still more worthy of that. And it just yeah, I just love the purpose that brings. You know, yeah. like that freedom you said. That's just so incredible. Yeah. I mean like because when you're going through terrible stuff, you know, and if you lived on this planet for more than like 30 seconds, you've probably gone through some bad stuff, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but when you're going through terrible stuff, like the, the why this is happening never helps you get through it. Right. You always look back on it and go, oh, why is there suffering? But when you're in the suffering, you you know, you're never like, why is this happening to me? You know, um, typically the why doesn't matter as much as the, how do I get through it? Does that make sense? Um, every now and again, you'll you'll have somebody that's that will you know ask why is this happening, but really, if you answer them, it it doesn't matter because they're they're having an emotional right. moment, right? And in right. uh, the how to get through it is the more important thing. And I know in the times that have been challenging for my wife and I, um, we've always just asked ourselves, is Jesus worth it? Mm-hmm. You know. This really is terrible. And we've had some major disappointment in our life, you know? We've yeah. been through stuff. But every time, we just ask ourselves if if Jesus is worth it. Like, if he said, will you go through this again for my sake? Will you do it? Yeah. Because he's worth it, right? Yeah. And and that carries you through it. And and most people, like, if, if they don't make it through suffering, it's because they're suffering for something that's not worth it. You know, mm-hmm. some people will suffer for themselves. Some people will suffer for others, but ultimately, ultimately that can't sustain you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, awesome. only, only God is infinite enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I was telling Joey this, um, maybe it was last week. I don't remember. And it was very small, but for some reason it stuck out to me. Um, but I was reading, I think it's in Matthew And it's right after John the Baptist gets beheaded. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the disciples tells Jesus, like, hey, John the Baptist has just died. And it says that Jesus um, went to the water to kind of like withdraw from the crowds and whatnot and kind of be by himself, you know, because he was obviously sad about this. Um, But then it says the crowds heard where Jesus was and followed him. And I'm thinking, like, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, I mean, Jesus is human, so he had emotions, you know, he felt sadness and, you know, whatnot. And for me, I guess if I was in that state, I'd be like, I don't want to talk to anybody right now, you know, but it says that Jesus had compassion on the crowds and he went to them and it just kind of made me stop. And I thought, man, you know, the character of Jesus in that moment, instead of like withdrawing and because of how he felt, he chose to kind of deny himself in a sense of how he felt and have compassion and meet the needs of the people. And for me, it just kind of put a whole new perspective on like 
who Jesus really was and how much compassion he has for all of us. Hmm. Yeah, and just like taking that thought one step further, it's like it's the natural thing to do when God has been put first in our life to meet the needs of others because he's met our needs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like the natural outflow of, you know, because and that's where like man, Jesus says don't worry. Why? Because the worthy one told us not to because he's going to take care of us. So yeah. it must be okay to care for other people because we don't have to worry about ourselves now. You know, and like mm-hmm. yeah, that's just I love I love that thought, Chris, because it's just like that freedom of it's not well, it's never been about me, but it's also like even more magnified. It's not about me, you know, yeah. it's about him, you know? Yeah. It doesn't depend on me. I don't have to right. be smart enough. You know, I don't have to have the right arguments. I don't have to mm-hmm. do the right things. You know, he, he's the king. And yeah. um, what you're doing is you're just going into the world and restoring things back to their proper place. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, I love that too, because it has to be such an encouragement to pastors. I think that, you know, there, of course, there's the mega church pastors and the bigger churches that are going and thriving. And, and I'm not saying those things are necessarily bad, but for every one of those churches, there's probably dozens, if not hundreds of small churches yeah. that aren't growing, that aren't, you know, aren't reaching the lost or so to speak, you know, like don't feel like it. And it has to be really encouraging for those and those pastors to know that that's not on them. Like, yes, they have the task to build the kingdom, but the results are ultimately up to God because he's yeah. in control. And, you know, and so no matter, I mean, like you said, Jeremiah saw no convert except like his secretary. And somehow that doesn't seem like that should count. You know, yeah, he like, paid him. He was employed. By right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, but that wasn't like that just to me shatters all like result oriented ministry because yeah. Jeremiah would never Nobody would ever say Jeremiah was like not an effective preacher or an effective yeah. minister, you know, especially yeah. now looking back, being how many sermons have been based on his writings and his prophecy and, um, but because of God, not because of him, Yeah, you know? And I just love that of some of these pastors that have to feel like, man, am I even doing anything? Yeah, You know, am I, is there anything going on? But knowing that God has a right on their life, and everyone in that church, everyone in that community, and they simply just have to obey. And sometimes, like, God hasn't called us to be the pastor that has a thousand people and, you know, sending out missionaries. We might just be the, the pastor that, you know, takes care of the 20 people that faithfully come every week. But Jesus is worthy of those 20 people just as much as he is, you know, the thousand people. Yeah, the only question you have to answer is, is Jesus worth this? Yeah. You know, whatever you're doing, whatever you're going through, is Jesus worth this? Yeah. You know? And that that's yeah. that's what carries you through the disappointment. Yeah. Um, I love that you brought up Jeremiah. I mean, because, um, you know, we, man, there is a sick obsession within, you know, Christian culture with just success, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like, we're, we're holding up these, these, some of them are, are very, you know, um, are very amazing and, and do need to be held up as, as examples. But there's, there's some others that are held up as, as examples. And, um, like it, it's only because there's a statistical measurable thing that we think is good. Right. And, 
And I love, like, usually we look at numbers with that, you know, and mm-hmm. I always love asking people like, you know, well, if it's about numbers, you know, then why don't we talk about how amazing Jonah was? Right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's probably the most successful prophet in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Name somebody. He converted Nineveh, the capital of like the most feared empire at the time. Right. right? And like. Even the cows repented. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) the dude preached and and his sermon was like five words, you know, (laughs) he wasn't even trying and like he knocks it out of the park. Right. But we know he's a jerk, you know, and we know that he's a terrible example as opposed Mm -hmm. to Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, or even Jesus, you know, Jesus spent the better portion of three years going, Hey guys, when I die, I'm going to be right back, you know? And then the only people that were there when he came back were people that were coming to bury him, you know? Right. (laughs) That's not success, you know? Yeah. So it's not like, obviously that means that our definition of success is not the biblical one, you know? And, and, and biblical success is just living a life that's worthy of Jesus and having Jesus be the King of your life. I think it's Psalm 84, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. means the earth is the earth, it's his and the fullness is everything that's on it. So that's the culture, the people, the nature, all of it, it's yeah. his, you know, yeah. right. and we are in a state of rebellion against that. And that's why everything stinks. Right. <laughs> and that just kills missionalism too, you know, cause it's like, you know, we can get, especially in a movement like Chi Alpha or the heavy discipleship model it can just become all about making disciples just to make disciples, you know, because it's like that's right. what we're supposed to do. But we don't make disciples because that's Chi Alpha's motto or that's a church's motto. We make disciples because Jesus is worthy of people being made disciples of him, you know? Yeah, and it's like, totally. And, you know, and it's just like it, it kills missionalism because then it takes away the I'm doing this to build Chi Alpha or my church or this ministry. Like God's kingdom is worth being built because of our king. You know, yeah. and I, man, I just, I just love that so much. And now I just want to go preach about that. It's, <laughs> and, dude, you know, do it, do it. It, it reorganizes everything. I think it's first Thessalonians two, like 19, something like that. It's like early in first, I'm terrible. I'm like the worst preacher. I, I can never get the street addresses. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, I think it, I want to say first Thessalonians two nineteen. but it, Paul's writing to the Thessalonians and he says, um, who is our joy and crown but you? Right? He's like, what what is our joy and crown but you? You know, and then and then you see this concept of crown developed in the New Testament, and it's like the thing that we lay before Jesus. So it's like what well, Paul is saying, what what are we gonna give to Jesus in the end of days except you, the people that we yeah. reached? Because right. like that, that's my motive for missions. That's why we went overseas. That's why we're in the middle of nowhere, Texas, is, mm-hmm. is because when I get to heaven, I think when we all get to heaven, we're going to look around and go, man, more people should be here because he's that cool. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. have you ever been to yeah. a concert for a band that you really like, but nobody else showed up and you're like, man, they deserve better than this. Right. Yeah. I, I think we're going to have that feeling in heaven. And and when I get to heaven, I don't want to I don't want to be depressed about like I I didn't bring enough people, you right. know, and yeah, and like if if God is worthy of 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 my love, if He deserves my love, then surely He deserves theirs too, mm-hmm. and and that's what you're fighting for, 
is yeah. is that mm. they would get right with Jesus in the sense that they give right. him what he deserves, you know? Yeah. Mm. That's anyway. Awesome. Um, so a lot of people in church today, I think if you went to them and said, like, Jesus is the reason why we're here, they'd say, oh, yes, absolutely, amen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, living that app, uh, living that applicably out, you know, may look different, you know, as far as like their mindset. So how do you get people to change, I guess, in that sense of something they're so used to for years and years and years, you know, if that makes sense? Yeah. um, Well, I I repeat myself a lot. Repetition is the price of knowledge. That's what Jason Bell, uh, my old campus pastor says. Um, And, and so I, I mean, honestly, there's only like five or six things that I've ever really preached. And this is one of them, you know, um, I led resource groups for six years, um, for non Chi Alpha people. That's small group for small group leaders. And I literally just had six lessons that I went through over and over and over and over. Cause those were like the key elements that we needed to get, you know? And so I repeat myself a lot. And then when you start breaking things down about like, well, do you love God because you need him? You know, because do you love, why do you love God? You ask them that. Have, have you ever asked a Christian, why, why do you love God? Why does God deserve your life? You know, yeah. the, the answer is typically going to be, well, he saved me. Okay. Well, what if you go through something and you don't feel like he saved you anymore? You know? Um, and then also, um, I kind of have this, this, uh, this silly notion. Um, I have this really silly notion that God's laws, the way that God intended things to work, is, is a description of reality, right? And so when you live contrary to that, um, it's like driving on the left-hand side of the road. You know, eventually you're going to hit somebody or get hit yourself, right? Um, right? You might get away with it a little bit, but eventually you're going to break down. And and I think that's, that's another way that people figure this out. Mm-hmm. Is it attrition happens? You know, why, why are people walking away from my church? Uh, why... You know, when you go through stuff, I mean, the, the, the trials and, and suffering in life, you know, if you don't have the, the real, real, like reality reason for following Jesus, then eventually you'll break. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's in those moments that, that like the truth is there, you know? Um, so typically when somebody gets to the point where they break, that might be too late depending on their attitude or whatever, but... But I always just start with God has a right on your life. That's like the first conversation that you have with somebody that you're discipling. That's that's mm-hmm. step one. Because if you don't have that, everything else doesn't matter. You can have yeah, perfect right. theology outside of that and then just be completely wrong. You know? Right. Yeah. God has a right on your life. You're his, you know? And that's yeah, how you yeah. need to order your life. You're not your own. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um in in you know, your your worldview needs to be based on what God deserves and not what, what makes man happy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. I might've just rambled on. <laughs> so, no, that was, that uh, was so good. That's and good. We're going to, I guess, oh man, we're close to an hour. We probably should wrap up, but man, this has just been such a good, we could do this all night. This is just incredible. <laughs> like, this is just like, it's kind of like, you ever feel like you're that mind blow emoji you know, yeah, like, yeah, it's just yeah, like, totally. rip, it's like, this has just been me like all night, you know, it's just been yeah. so good. Well, but dude, I, I mean, like, this is something that I grappled. I literally grappled with this for a year or two years. And mm. I even changed the way I talked. Like mm. I, I, I worked on the way I talked. Mm. 
I did. I stopped saying yeah. to people, you need Jesus. I stopped saying that altogether because it wasn't true. I mean, like it, it wasn't the truth that needed to be communicated and, sure, and it yeah. became like, Jesus deserves you. Right. You know, yeah. Jesus deserves better from you. And right. that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like the sustainable reality that, that we need to lead yeah. people into. Cause when, when you give people the real thing, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause, okay. If you give, if you give people the false narrative of the gospel, right? What you've done is you've given them an inocula- inoculation, right? You've vaccinated them against Jesus. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So like a vaccination happens or works because you either get a, a weakened version of the virus or something that is so similar, your body can't tell the difference. That's how like the smallpox vaccine works is that you get cowpox. You don't actually get smallpox, right? Right. And your body can't tell the difference, right? Because the outer protein shell of the virus is too similar. And so your antibodies can't tell and, you know, T cells, all that stuff. And so, um, so what happens when you give somebody a human, like Christian humanism, when you give somebody that, then um, what you've done is you've inoculated them against the real thing, Mm -hmm. right? They need the thing. They need the Christianity that kills the self. Yeah. They don't need the Christianity that reaffirms the self. Right. Right. And, yeah, um, yeah. and so that's why it's so important that this be the step one, this be yeah. the angle of your preaching. And, and also like, I, I know you just said you wanted to wrap it up, but, um, I'm on a tangent. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's all right. Sorry, listener, forgive us. Um, but also like when you're evangelizing, when you're, when you're reaching out to people, when you're discipling people, it takes the pressure off of you. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's about Jesus and about that person's choice of what to do with the person of Jesus, and it's less about you packaging the gospel in the proper way, right? Right. So, like, and also that also takes away the need for your church to be super relevant all the time, you know, mm-hmm. like pr- production value, all that stuff can be slick, it's fine. But I'm I'm not saying that it doesn't need to be. But what I am saying is it the the pressure to be culturally relevant all the time. Mm-hmm. 100% on beat it is kind of a moot point. Right. When when you're presenting Jesus as the king, and that's your starting point, because then you're speaking from a place of reality. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, that's yeah. so good, because it's just like to kind of, you know, it's, it's not to deny the need of Jesus, but that's not like the first truth that needs to be settled in our heart. You know, it's like, it has to be the worthiness of Jesus. And of course we need him. You know, it's like, after yeah. you realize <laughs> who, how worthy he is, it's like, well, duh, I need, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's you, no question. You need to realize that Jesus is worthy of your life. That's what you need. Right. To, right. You don't need. Right. Exactly. You don't need Jesus to come in and clean up your life so much right. as you just need to put him where he belongs. And then yeah, everything else so shakes out from there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Really good. Yeah, Chris, thanks so much for yeah. being here with us today and sharing that. We'll definitely, we'll have you back to talk about something. You said you had six topics, so we got at least six podcasts <laughs> worth, of, <laughs> worth of material that we can have you back for. But um, if you have a couple minutes, we can do the recommendation thing here that we do yeah. at the end. We call it Muncie Minute. But um, obviously, you've never been to Muncie, so you can do something in something close by. I know nothing is close by to you, but if there's anything that we can, if we are ever in, uh, where now what is it? What city is it in? San Angelo. Okay. It's San Angelo, right? I, 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 that's what I thought it was, but I didn't want to like, 
be stupid and it's okay. whatever. But, yeah. but so what's something that if we are ever in your neck of the woods, what can we check out? Man, I'm, uh, I've only been here for four months, so I'm terrible. And okay. So I came from Huntsville, Texas. And then before I was in Huntsville, I was, you know, uh, if I wasn't in Huntsville, I was in the Czech Republic. So everything here is awesome, right? Huntsville, Texas is 30,000 people and, you know, 11,000 of them are prisoners, you know? <laughs> and so like, there's nothing there. And then in the Czech Republic, it's, you know, former communists. So you're just happy when there's a McDonald's within an hour's train ride of you, you know? Mm. And, uh, so I came here and man, everything's awesome. The San Angelo actually has a hundred thousand people in it. It's, oh, wow. wow. yeah, it's the largest city in the U S without an interstate. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Nobody cares. It's, yeah. it's stupid. Um, we have an airport. There's one okay. flight a day in from Dallas, but, uh, Hey, let's go. Yeah. Right. It's terrible. <laughs> um, but, uh, let's see, man, almost any place here you can get tacos is good. Okay. I mean, like 40% of the population here is like Hispanic background. So okay. bro, the food is incredible. Yeah. Um, I like okay. Esperanza's. It's a good place. It's right around the corner from my house. Um, okay. Henry's is good. Um, and then yeah. there was this one, uh, one of my students took me to this place. It had like barbed wire, like around the parking lot. And there wasn't like wow. a sign. It looked like a, a broom closet that had been expanded a little bit. <laughs> and I walked in there and they only took cash and it was the best burrito I've ever had in my life. Wow. wow. I don't even know what it's called, man, but uh, it was <laughs> it was amazing. So we'll have to just find that place if you come and visit. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so my recommendation is a place that's not in Muncie. It's a little bit about a 30-minute drive in Gas City. Uh, it's called Pains. And so I never thought that I'd actually like it as much as I did, but it's like a um, like British restaurant. That's it's so random. Yeah, that it's like 30 <laughs> minutes in Gas City, which if you know this area at all is like there's nothing there. Nothing at all. It's like why is there anything in Gas City? And but it's really really good. And uh, their fish and chips are super good. Um I've had their pork chop there. It's super good. Um bangers and mash, which is just sausage and mashed potatoes. But when you're a Brit, you're, when you're a Brit, you know, you have to say things like that. Um, super good. Very, very good. Um, it's only 30 minutes and it's not that pricey. It's like nine, 10 bucks for a plate. So it's, it's fine. Dude, when I think of cuisine that I want to drive 30 minutes for, I don't think of British food. Right. (laughs) But it's so good. Like now it's like, I want to go there all the time. That's, that's crazy. You have to take me there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We will. <laughs> My place is a coffee shop downtown Muncie, the Caffeinery. Yeah, it's a- it, I know you don't you're not crazy about it. It's pretty good. I like the the atmosphere of the place. I'm it's, a coffee snob though. It's like, kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's a nice little place to like read a book and meet people and stuff, so. Like it's fine coffee, but it's just it's too expensive for it not to be better. <laughs> I can see that. Oh, they like they put like a little heart every time I get mine. That's like every barista ever like does the the heart or like the the little puppy dog like giving you the puppy dog. You know whatever. It's like they they all do that. You know? I don't I don't order any kind of coffee that you can draw in. Like just just right. give it to me black. <laughs> right. You know? I remember no, we I had, discussed, I had yeah. a, a 
like a barista lady. I, I mean, I, I know it was reflex, but I was like, I'll just have a cup of black coffee. And she's like, would you like cream? I'm like, is it black cream? <laughs> like, I don't want any cream in my coffee. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. No, yeah, I, no, I get actually my favorite coffee. I know I just got through saying I'm a coffee snob and this totally contradicts everything I just said, but my favorite coffee truthfully is just to go somewhere like a diner like somewhere like a Bob Evans or an IHOP or something and just get that huge thermos of coffee and I'll just drink the whole thing, like just cup after cup, no cream, no sugar, nothing. Just give me that. But so, but <laughs> I'm not a coffee person. So it's not, I me. have a complicated <laughs> coffee palette. Like it's, it's complicated. It's, I, I call myself a lover of coffee, not a coffee connoisseur. Right. I love coffee mm-hmm. in all its forms. I'm not discriminating, you know, yeah. the gas station coffee that's been like dehydrating on that burner for 24 hours. I'll drink that. <laughs> you know, it's concentrated. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's good. <laughs> that's so good. But, well, hey, yeah. uh, we're going to wrap up here. But listeners, if you are ever in San Angelo, make sure you go by Angelo State to see uh, Christopher there at Chi Alpha, be able to hear him preach. Probably chances are he might be preaching about what he just talked about today. So <laughs> odds are um, good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, odds are pretty good if he only has six sermons, you know, and so there's at least 30 times a year that they usually, you know, usually have for services in a campus ministry. But Chris, thanks again so much for being here with us. And yeah, and listeners, if you like what you hear, give us a rating, give us a review, all that stuff. That's like the shameless plugs. Do all those things for us so that we can keep going. Absolutely. All right, we'll see you guys. Hey, everyone, this is Adam from the Pothole Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you like what you hear on this episode, please leave a review, leave a comment. We would love to hear your thoughts and to get the word out to folks just like you who would enjoy this type of podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the Pothole Pastors Podcast.